Hello, and welcome to Glory Be. Interesting people and how they pray. Each week, we chat with interesting people about their lives, their work, and how they pray. I'm Sharon Hanish. And I'm Father Vince Fernandez, and we're joined by our producer, Mike Malcolm. Our guest today is Father Bob Reiser. He entered the Society of Jesus in Syracuse, New York in 1986 and was ordained to the priesthood in 1997. He grew up with his five siblings in a suburb of Buffalo, New York. He has a Bachelor of Science in Accounting from Fordham, a Master Master of Arts in Philosophy from Fordham, a Master of Divinity from Western Jesuit School of Theology, a Master's in Theology from Harvard, and a Master's in Educational Leadership from the University of Rochester. Father Reiser has served as Vocation Director for the New York Province, President of two Jesuit high schools, and will begin his new assignment as the Executive Director of the Jesuit Schools Network in Washington, D.C. on April 1st, 2021. He enjoys walking and gardening. Welcome, Father Reiser. (laughs) Welcome, Father. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. It's great being with you this morning. Well, we're so happy you're here. How are you doing during this time of pandemic? That's a good question. You know, today is uh, technically the first day back to school here on the northeast. Here in the northeast, uh, and I'm transitioning out of day to day school life. So the fact that I am not in school today, uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm, I'm doing very, very well. Trying not to, you know, not not having to manage all of the details that this pandemic is posing for school communities is, I appreciate what they're doing, and I'm relieved that I'm not doing it. So it's nice being with you. Well, tell us, so you are a member of the Society of Jesus, which in Oklahoma, you know, we don't have any Jesuits. So um, can you talk about, you know, why you became a Jesuit? Um, Did you always want to be a Jesuit priest? And what, what exactly is a Jesuit? Sure. Well, Sharon, you're always encouraging me to come and visit Tulsa. So maybe someday uh, there'll be <laughs> there'll be a Jesuit in uh, in Tulsa, at least for a visit. No, but you know, as you indicated, I grew up um, in Buffalo, New York. Went to a Jesuit high school, Jesuit college. Uh, I had uh, my grandfather's brother uh, was a Jesuit. So, you know, also I grew up in a very Catholic culture, um, you know, in the seventies. Um, and so I would say uh, the combination of my own Catholic formation, uh, in faith and also my exposure to Jesuits, uh, along the way, both family and then also through teaching, um, really sort of piqued uh, my curiosity and so I just pursued it. I followed it, um, you know, w- with life choices in college and, and such. Um, I felt like it was uh, something that was very familiar, something that was very much me. And so I, I pursued it out of out of college. After graduating, um, I entered the Jesuits in 1986. And so it was really more of, a, um, you know, it was my background. Uh, it was sort of the air I breathed in a lot of ways. That all changed, or not changed, but became different when I did enter the Jesuits. Um, um, you know, certainly a relationship with God, I think, existed before. But you know that that development of a prayer life, of, of a discerning life, uh, may transitioned, I think, more into an active commitment and choice 
uh, as whereas maybe in college it was a little bit more passive than than it, than it was later. So yeah, I grew up Catholic. I was in a Jesuit school. I had a Jesuits in my family, and um, I really wanted to uh, to be a priest. And so that's uh, that's the the beginnings of it. That's so, great. That's awesome. I uh, actually I went to the uh, Gregorian in Rome for for three years. Oh, so I got a lot of oh, lots of Jesuit experience there, and it was oh, awesome. Um, oh, good. It's a but, great location. Yeah, too. no, it was awesome. I mean, it's a great place. Lots of history. But then I guess I guess one thing to to ask you is, you know, what makes a what makes a Jesuit different from kind of other religious, right? In terms of, so you guys don't necessarily have like a habit like a Dominican or a Benedictine. You just kind of wear what you know, what Dawson priests wear, things like that. So, yeah. what, you know, how are you? How are you different? Yeah, you know that was the the intention of Saint Ignatius Loyola is that we would wear the uh, garb of the local clergy, mm-hmm. uh, and so wherever we are, whatever the local clergy would wear is is what we would would uh, would wear. I think what makes Jesuits unique is, and you know, when I was vocation director, this is something I always looked for when we were working with candidates for the society is an availability. Mm. Uh, an availability to go anywhere on mission. Um, you know, I, I um, have had a lot of experience uh, on weekends in diocesan parishes. Wherever I've been, I've always helped out. And I've gotten to know the men, you know, the, the, the priests. And there is that, I think, for a diocesan priest, that um, incarnation, that, that, that connection with his uh, diocese, with his bishop. Um, and again, that's sort of, and, and, and father, you can, you can correct me on that. Uh, whereas I think for, for, or, or a monk, you know, someone who's in a monastery, uh, takes vows of stability. Right. Uh, this is where, this is where I am. Whereas for us, the, uh, the ability to, um, be mobile mm-hmm. and to respond to, you know, the call of Christ, wherever that may be, and in, you know, whatever place that may be is, is our thing. So, you know, um, the word that, that I like is disponable. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a Latin word. Um, in other words, a ponere is to place. So the ability to, to be placed anywhere in the world where the mission is drawing us is is what a Jesuit is all about um, fundamentally, and then there are ways that that's lived out uh, in in our lives. Right. Yeah. And I actually I, I forgot to mention this too. When when I was in seminary, I really really thought about joining the Jesuits for that actually very reason. I was like, I love the the whole idea of mission and just like radical right. mission, right? And I watched I watched the movie The Mission, and I was like, <laughs> that is awesome. I want, I kind of want to do that. <laughs> that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So, and then therefore, uh, a couple of things become important: uh, availability, so it's internal freedom, um, and then discernment. Uh, what is the will of God? My freedom to respond to that, um, you know, flows from there. So, so then what flow, again flows from it, availability, freedom, discernment, um, and, and those things then make make us unique. I think the vow of obedience for a Jesuit is super important because we believe that God's will is manifested in our superiors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Holy Spirit is there. And so that dialogue with him uh, and then being missioned and sent uh, is, is super important. 
Hey, so Father Riser, you know something cool that you do is you take these people um, on these walking tours. Yeah. Tell us, tell us about that. Like, um, what drew you to that? Why are you interested in that? Um, I hear the uh, the airplane or something flying. <laughs> I guess that's a sign that you want to get on an airplane and go lead a, a tour somewhere. I don't know, but <laughs> it's beckoning me. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I, I would say uh, um, a huge part of it, Sharon, is a, a lot like when we were at Weston. You know, you, you go to these communities and you really meet tremendous people of faith. Uh, people want so much to grow in their faith and they want their children to grow in their faith. And so they commit themselves to a school or to a parish or, you know, another of our apostolates of some sort. And then you build this community or, or you grow in a community of faith. And then it's like, okay, how do we take it to the, the next level? What, what's our next step, you know, in our faith formation as a people? And pilgrimage is uh, one of those ways uh, that, that that happens. And remember, a, a pilgrimage is not so much about the destination, but about the moment you're in together on that on that way. And so, um, you know, uh, a lot of wonderful people trying to, you know, figure out uh, what God is, is doing in their lives. And so, uh, you go and follow the great, um, pilgrims uh, who did the same, uh, along these routes in different, different places. And so we've gone to Spain, walked the Camino, I have one coming up, uh, a walk from Lisbon to Fatima, uh, I'm planning that for um, for next year, hopefully, if we can get through COVID. Right. And again, just to I think to reiterate or to make the point of it is the journey and the walking that's as important as the destination. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's emblematic. It's emblematic of a life of faith. You know, the journey, the destination. Uh, you got your eye on the horizon, but it's the journey and it, and it takes a lot of iterations. Um, you know, a lot of painful feet along the way, but a lot of wonderful friends and and good food and companionship and prayer along the way. So that's why I love it. I love it. And yeah, I think, I think I've probably done about eight of them, nine of them. Uh, I think I left one out, Sharon. We went to El Salvador a bunch of years ago. Uh, so that was, that was really wonderful. Well, one of these days, John and I are going to join you. Oh, good. <laughs> You've oh, sent good. me the information. I've always been super interested. Um, do you have a favorite uh, pilgrimage that you like to do? Well, that's a good question. You know, um, I, I, well, just a, a, an aside, I was supposed to be in the Holy Land these days, uh, mm-hmm. but COVID canceled that uh, experience. Um, you know, that, that experience of the Camino Santiago de Compostela was, uh, really, I, if, you know, if I had to say a favorite, that was, uh, really, really terrific. But then, you know, thinking about it, uh, El Salvador was tremendous uh, just because it wasn't, it, it, it's much more immediate. Those events that happened are fresh. And so the people we met, uh, our, it's their firsthand experience. It's not uh, an ancient, um, experience that you work to tap into. So yeah, in El Salvador, we met, um, 
you know, really immediate people. Uh, we also went, you know, to uh, Archbishop Romero's home. Uh, you know, we met these uh, members of the community of the Marinol sisters. And so, yeah, I would say that that was, and we went to the Jesuits, you know, the Jesuits at the UCA. Um, so, yeah, but I think because of that, because it was so immediate and not uh, remote, um, I appreciated that. Wow. That would be pretty powerful. Now tell me uh, real quick before we transition into your prayer. Um, you're about to take this new position in April as executive director of the Jesuit Schools Network. Most of your experience has been in education through the years. What, what will you be doing? Well, you know, uh, in North America, in the United States, in Canada, we have uh, uh, middle schools, which are uh, called uh, on a nativity model, uh, and it's a it's a unique model that we have. Uh, and we also have high schools, which are our traditional schools, like I've been um, involved in. And then we also have a model called Cristo Rey high schools. Um, nativity and Cristo Rey serve underserved students. Our traditional schools, you know, that were founded in the 19th and early 20th century um, are you know, more typical of what you'd see uh, in, a, in a high school. Anyway, in North America, there are about 80 of those uh, between the United States and Canada. And they come together as an association of schools, much like the National Catholic Education Association, the NCEA, and other um associations of independent schools or other um, Catholic schools, religious order schools. And so we do that. We come together as the Jesuit Schools Network. And what the association does is facilitate uh, the health of those membership schools. And so we do things like leadership formation, mission and identity strengthening. Uh, we do research. Uh, we have a global presence because there are Jesuit schools uh, all over the world. Um, and then also we, you know, we have cohort gatherings, you know, the principals get together, uh, the campus ministers get together and, and that, that sort of thing. And so what we do is, is facilitate the health of the membership schools in North America. And then we also represent the North American schools to the rest of the world. And so that's what I'll be doing um, uh, in April. Hey, good news. There is a Cristo Ray school in Oklahoma City. So you may be, maybe you'll be visiting Oklahoma. There you go. There you go. I would love that. <laughs> no, but, you know, one of the things I, I, I will do is um, get out there and visit the schools, see the schools. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of a lot of place, a lot of schools, a lot of people doing good things. And so, um, you know, I hope I hope once COVID is over with, I can get out there and even maybe get to Oklahoma. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Do you hear those bells? Yeah, eleven twenty-three. Yeah, <laughs> uh, ten, ten twenty. Ten twenty-three. That's when the that's when the bells, the church bells, ring in in Oklahoma. So now oh, okay, uh, we're transitioning to talk to you. Know our podcast is called "Glory Be Interesting People and How They Pray." So right, we right, are uh, right. also interested in how you pray. So as we've talked about, you are a Jesuit. So how do Jesuits pray? So. The question, do you live in a monastery? Do you live in a parish? You know, and maybe talk about uh, 
your your um, Ignatian contemplation also. Sure, sure. Oh, a couple of things, or a lot of things. Um, you know, we, we live in community. Uh, we are a, a, a communitas ad dispersionem, which means we come together to be dispersed. Uh, and so, um, although it is community, it's ad dispersionem. It's, it's to be dispersed, uh, to go out uh, into the world, as we talked about uh, earlier. Um, I think um, if you look at a Jesuit's prayer, and, and hopefully mine as a result of it, uh, the, the sense of being on mission with Jesus, companionship in the mission of Jesus Christ. So if you just take that phrase and then think to yourself, okay, how would you pray that? And that's so the, the context that I want to raise for this. Uh, so my own prayer life is uh, companionship with Jesus. And so the way that that I would pray is that, as you said, Sharon, the contemplative uh, approach, uh, taking a and what I typically do is take daily scripture, because when I was at school, I would have daily mass. And so, you know, you want to be prepared. But to be able to pray uh, from the perspective of encountering Jesus. And for me, it, it, it has lately been, you know, Jesus, the man, you know, what's, what's this guy experiencing? Um, you know, here he is this young man and, and, and he's experiencing this. What's it like for him? Uh, and so I've been doing a lot of that, imagining what, uh, this passage, this experience is like for Jesus and then entering into that conversation with him and uh, of understanding. Uh, because again, I, you know, to be someone's companion, um, means getting to know them and, and, to, and to understand them. and then also to share self with them. So that's the first part is companion. And then on, on mission, you know, I think the, the great prayer of St. Ignatius is that of the examine, uh, to discern, all right, where is God calling me? So I, I am on mission, you know, with this this one that I love, and I and I want to respond to that. Um, I, I I want to, you know, be. This is like a, you know, a husband and a wife. You know, you want to respond to them because you love them. And so, where is that? Where is that being? Where am I being led? And so the examine, which is you know, fifteen minutes a night before you go to bed, or or you know, at a point during the day that's convenient for you, is you know where have I been happiest? Where am I most fulfilled? Because ultimately God wants us to be happy and fulfilled and the places that we're happy and fulfilled is, is God's will for us. So, you know, where is that? How has that been for me? And if you take that over a long haul, I used to tell uh, my vocation guys uh, that um, if you have something that perdures, so the word perdure if you have a movement or a feeling or a sense that perdures over time, that that's something to pay attention to. Um, and, um, you know, and that's, that I think is, is what the examine is. So how, how, so that's, I think how a Jesuit, typical Jesuit would pray. Um, and, and I try to do that, uh, in, in my prayer, whether it's with scripture, getting to know Jesus, companioning him, sharing a life with him and then saying, okay, where is 
you know, God, the father leading me on this mission with Jesus. Well, where, where am I fulfilled? Where, where am I excited? Where, where am I um, complete or more complete than I might've been? Uh, what's the thing that's greater that I'm being called to? Um, and, and that happens through, you know, like I said, that, that sort of morning scripture and evening examine. And then the sacramental life of the church is, is also part of our lives. As I indicated, um, you know, the Eucharist is a daily experience at school. Uh, I help out in parishes on the weekends. I also help out at, well, when I was in Rochester, I helped out at a college. Uh, and so the rotation of the Eucharist, uh, the Eucharistic life is, is important. Um, sacrament of reconciliation, um, those sorts of things. And just just finally, um, maybe more of a prayerful moment as opposed to prayer, although I take it to the examine, is, you know, those experiences we have in ministry, um, you know, sitting and listening to a sixth grader uh, uh celebrate the sacrament of reconciliation, you know, sort of comes in as this young man, uh, is, you know, kind of like, you know, Hey, here I am a sinner is tremendous. It really is a, a very heart moving experience. Um, and then, you know, you know, the older kids going off to college and starting their lives, it really, as you say, geez, this is, uh, this is a worthwhile, uh, uh, venture. Um, those are probably more prayerful moments in a couple of weeks. Uh, when I, depart uh, Long Island, I'm going to head off to Warnersville, Pennsylvania, and I'm going to do the 30-day retreat. Uh, you know, I've done the th- I've done the 30-day retreat twice in my life as a novice before first vows and as a tertian before final vows. But, you know, I'm 56 now. I got a little bit of more, a little more water under the bridge and, um, and, I have a, and I'm in a transitional point. So I thought it'd be tr- it would be terrific to go and do the 30-day uh, spiritual exercises again. And so I will start those, um, September 20th. And that's just, uh, 30 days of four, four week, uh, prayer experience of St. Ignatius that sort of companions were sort of, uh, is a sort of like, I guess an exponential, um, experience of what I just described. Uh, it is, um, companioning. I'm a sinner who is loved and therefore, I make a choice to follow Jesus in his ministry, in his suffering, in his death, and in his resurrection. And um, then um, I discern where God is calling me to. So if you think about it, what I, what I talked about in the beginning, those two movements, companionship on mission, is what these spiritual exercises are about, but kind of like on steroids. So I'll be doing that in, uh, in a couple of weeks. That's awesome. I, uh, that's like my dream to do a, a 30-day uh, Ignatian retreat because it's silence, right? The whole the whole thirty days. Um, it is. You meet, with, yeah. You meet with a director each day. Um, yeah, it's not easy. I, I, I'm not a um, passive person, <laughs> so <laughs> it'll be. I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Like I said, a lot of waters under the bridge after all these years of uh, my life, and so yeah, I mean, it's not that I'm old, but um, I really, really looking forward to spending that time with God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds awesome, but it kind of freaks me out at the same time, like 30 days of <laughs> a straight silence. But, uh, but I, yeah, I relate to what you said about the examine prayer, right. And how really helpful that is in our journey, right. Like to, you know, cause feelings come and go, but things that perdure, that's what really matters. Right. Especially with discernment and our relationship with the Lord. Right. What are the things that, that last? And it's hard to see that if we're not looking, you know, over the course of a, you know, long period of time. 
Um, you know, another aspect of this is uh, we always ask people, you know, has there been a time in your life when it was difficult to pray, right? Where prayer was, was hard or um, maybe it was just, you know, you didn't have the habit yet or there was something going on in your life. Um, you know, was there a time in your life when it was hard, uh, where prayer was hard? And, you know, what did you learn from that experience? Sure. I, um, a, a couple of things. It just uh, on the side, I, I think one of the occupational hazards of being a priest is sometimes uh, your prayer can become your work. So it's like, okay, I got a homily, I got to prepare, let's pray. Uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and there's a danger there because, uh, and, and I have fallen into that a lot. You know, it's like, okay, I, you know, I've got 14 million different things going on here and I have a homily that I've got to get ready for the weekend. And so my prayer becomes uh, part of my job. And, 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 and that, to tell you the truth, uh, over the long haul, and, and that's sort of an apparent good that can, um, you know, get in, get in the way, uh, um, related to that is, I, I do think particularly for maybe, you know, a man, uh, North American man is, uh, this work, you know, work, 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 work. Um, and that's where I have become, I have gotten away from prayer is, you know, and, and it's, and it's good. So these are good things that compete with, with prayer. And you can, and the evil spirit can convince you that, oh, this is good. You know, just keep working and forget about your prayer. So, uh, related to what I just said is busyness, the challenges of life, being pulled in all these directions, being tired, uh, uh, can really get in the way of a relationship uh, of any sort, particularly uh, of prayer. Um, so those I, I think are the real ones for me very specifically though. Um, you know, we've all gone through, uh, challenging times in our lives and, and I've had challenging times. I think of, you know, last summer and Sharon knows this one of my, my younger sister, uh, died unexpectedly. Mm. And, you know, those moments of, of shock and grief, you know, all the textbooks tell you, you know, you know, God is uh, our comfort and, and all that sort of thing. And, and I was more with the uh, the Hebrew people in the scriptures lamenting, you know, uh, I was <laughs> the, the, the Psalms of Lamentation were uh, were my friend then. Um, so uh, in addition to like going to work every day and getting burned out and not being great in my relationships, particularly of prayer, uh, there are those peak moments of life of desolation and loss. And, and doubt uh, that can creep in there. And, and that's when you really have to hang on to it. Uh, and you have to hang in there and you just have to kind of show up. Uh, and, um, and, you know, I, I, I think I did that. Mm, that was so good. Thank you, Father Riser. Okay, we ask, the last thing we ask everyone is, if you could tell everyone in the world to pray for something, what would that be and why? Yeah, you know, there are so many topics <laughs> that, you know, we've got problems with these days. I, I think, and our our general who just died, our, our retired general just died, Father Adolfo Nicolas, uh, really, I, 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 he did this, I saw a talk that he gave about the globalization of superficiality. Hmm. 
And Pope Francis echoes something similar when he talks about the importance of encounter. And I think his encyclical um, on, on brotherhood and sisterhood that he's going to sign in Assisi, I think that's coming up soon. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's that encounter with self and with others at a meaningful level that we avoid. Um, I, 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 whether it's busyness or technology or I think our the way we look at life, our respect for, for life, uh, all of those sorts of things can go into this superficiality. We, we, we don't go deep. Mm. And then what happens are the things we're seeing. Mm. Polarization in the church and in politics in our country, um, issues of racism and race and, and human dignity. We look at the issues of life and the value of those who are um, not yet born all the way to those who are at the end of life. So those are symptoms, I think, <laughs> and I'm no expert, of a superficiality. And so if I had one thing that I need to experience more and I need to, to pray about, and I think all of us are invited, I would invite all of us to pray for, is... Um, a depth of encounter uh, that goes beyond the superficial. And, and I know that that kind of sounds out there, but um, to encounter God within my life as someone who loves me, even though I don't deserve it and to feel the depth of that. And then to take that and encounter others in my life, whether I agree with them or not, mm -hmm. you know, uh, or whether they look like me or not um, is super important. So the prayer that I would uh, pray for is a, a deepening of encounter with God, with oneself, and with other people. You know, I have been involved in education for over 20 years. Young people, uh, the anxiety, the anxiety that kids experience because Everything is so superficial. You can lose a friend on Facebook without even caring. You know, like you, you defriend people or you make a friend or, you know. So um, the need for our kids and for ourselves to be people of depth and to go beyond the superficial is a prayer that I would encourage myself and others to consider. Excellent. Well... We're uh, at the end of our podcast. That was excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, so um, we always ask our guest to lead us in the glory be as we wrap up our time together. Good. Well, I, I just want to um, echo that, Sharon. You know, um, in this virtual world in which we live, uh, it is great to make connections that are beyond my own well, this is not my backyard, but beyond my own backyard. Uh, and it's also great to maintain those connections, even if it's 20, 20, what do we, what did we say before? 27 years or years. so? Yes. So I'm just very grateful for the connections, the relationships, the friendships, uh, the ministry that we are mutually involved in, in this church. Uh, this is very, it's been very uplifting for me. So why don't we um, just take a minute to realize 
the goodness of God in our lives. Um, you know, we've come to the end of summer and, you know, COVID was terrible. We have one another. Kids are going back to school. Um, also, today is the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Mother, and we're grateful for her yes, so that Christ could be born into the world. So, so much to be grateful for. Let's give God glory. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. 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 Great job. Thanks, Father Bob. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, this is terrific. Glory Be is a production of the Office of Communications at the Church of St. Mary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm your producer, Mike Malcolm. See you next time.